Every follower of Jesus needs to have something where you write stuff down. So when your life is being threatened and issues are taking place and uncertainty is there, go back and see those altars and things that God did for you. Confidence cannot exist apart from memory. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lawrence. What gives you confidence that God is working in and through the circumstances of your life? Faith is built on what we know and understand about the truth of God and His Word. Stay with us for Crawford's series on what it is that gives us rock-solid confidence. Great to be with you again this weekend. If you're new to our broadcast, a special welcome to you. Crawford has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years. He served as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. He's the author of Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, Lessons from a Life Coach, and many more. The messages we feature each week come from Crawford's 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. He retired from fellowship a few years ago and now heads an organization called Beyond Our Generation. Crawford has titled today's message, Don't Panic. With enduring faith, our confidence grows and helps eliminate panic. Let's learn more. Our text is Hebrews chapter 10. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy. I want to read these two verses to you in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Have you ever cleaned out a cluttered room? I mean, let's say you procrastinated for the longest and stuff has been piling up in that room and, and, uh, and all of a sudden you are inspired to clean it out. And you know what? If you're like me, you, you, once you go there, it's like you go to the other extreme. You say, okay, let everything goes. Okay, this is start clean slate. Throw everything out. And you end up throwing out something very important. Let me tell you a story about Karen, what she does. Now, by the way, my wife, when she gets into these moods of cleaning, I look in her eyes, I get out of the way. <laughs> Everything goes. Everything. If you're in the way, you go too, buddy. I mean, you're going to be in a black plastic bag someplace. And so she, uh, she gets in these things here. Well, our, young, our oldest son, Brian, when he graduated from college, uh, he went off to grad school in Southern California, and, and uh, uh, it came time to detox and clean out that room. Okay, it just, it just, it just came time. And uh, so he's gone and Karen says, okay, it's time to dump this stuff out of here. So she goes through there and just dumps it all out. She throws everything out. Uh, you know, not the, the bed and the hard stuff stayed, but virtually everything else, you know, it, it was gone. Clothes stuff, gone. She threw it all out. She even threw out these two boxes. I mean, well, actually, like, yeah, yeah, two boxes about like this that he had in his closet. So Brian comes home for vacation from grad school and, and goes down to his room and flies back upstairs. I said, Mom, you didn't. She didn't what? No, don't tell me you didn't do this. Do what? Those boxes, yeah, those boxes with those little cards in them. She said, yeah, I threw those out. I said, Mom, you know what you threw out? 
You threw out my baseball cards. I mean, he'd been saving those things since he was like seven years old, and even I went, oh, you lost your mind, lady. I mean, <laughs> you're gonna pay for his education. He said, don't you know who's in there? It's the Jose Canseco, and he went down in the rookie card from Barry Ponds, and, and, and he, he goes down the field. And sometimes, under pressure, we can throw away something very valuable. Some of you listening to me right now, because of the circumstances you are in, you have thrown away your confidence. You just threw it away. You become so discouraged. You become so overwhelmed by what's going on right now. You kicked into the survival mode. Everything that you're afraid of has happened. And, and even though cognitively you know stuff, you dumped it. And I don't have time to go through the whole context here, but the writer of Hebrews, he's writing folks who are in the midst of persecution, and that's why he says this. They are being killed for their faith. People are coming after them. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you can ditch a lot of stuff. Don't throw away your confidence. Your confidence, first of all, is a premium. That's what he's saying in this text. It is a premium. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. The word translated confidence here in this text, it's, it, it really means, uh, and I love this, it means an unambiguous boldness. A, a, a quiet boldness that is not intimidated or confused. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? A, a quiet boldness that doesn't choke. Don't throw that away. The expression throw away here in this context comes from a verb that means to throw something away because it is worthless. And it's a little nuance here. He says, you know, don't devalue what you know. That's what he's saying. It's the idea here. Don't devalue what you know. In other words, don't practically speaking, let, let the crisis du jour, the present stuff that you're in, the pain, the problems, the hassles, don't, don't let that become more valuable than what you know. Don't devalue where you've been. Relevance is oversold. Don't, don't throw it away. And see, what he was actually saying to, this, to, to these Christians, these Jewish Christians, is this, look, 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 look. Don't, don't let the current problems that you're experiencing right now cause you to stampede away from Jesus. You've seen the old movies, haven't you, the westerns, the cattle herders, they're gone, and, and all of a sudden the bad dudes show up, and they pull out some guns, and they shoot in the air and spook the cattle, and they turn and stampede away. That's what Satan does to all of us. Some of you, you're, you're, you're scared, you've been unemployed, you got stuff happening right now, your house is being threatened to be taken away from you, you, you got issues, there's uncertainty on your job, and before you know it, very subtly, very subtly, emotionally, you start stampeding away from God. And your life is filled with a bunch of yeah buts. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And even though it's not right here in the text, 
here's a principle that I want you to remember. And even if I don't get through everything that I want to say today in time, I want you to remember this principle. The principle is this, that there is a relationship between confidence and memory. Meaning that confidence has to do with the strength and vibrancy of our memory. Confidence has to do with the strength and vibrancy of your memory. When you are threatened, you don't, when you're not threatened, you don't need to remember. It is when you are threatened that you need to remember. Confidence has everything to do with the vibrancy of our memory. That's the reason why God gives us historic, dramatic experiences to give us the confident boldness to deal with where, we're, where we are right now and where we're, we're going. That's, that's the reason why you've heard me say this time and again up here. I really believe, I don't want to be legalistic about it, but I believe, I believe every believer, every follower of Jesus need to have some type of journal or something where you write stuff down. So when your life is being threatened and issues are taking place and uncertainty is there, when you, you, you go and you can't, the friend is not around to talk to, you can go back and see those altars and things that God did for you. And the reason why he did them is to stand you in good stead when you're being threatened. Confidence cannot exist apart from memory. You remember the, uh, uh, the movie, Remember the Titans? I love that movie. And the championship game. I love it, I love it, I love it. The championship game there. You know, Denzel Washington's character, he's trying, you know, they're, they're a little bit behind and they're playing some very big dudes. They've, they've had a perfect season up until then. They're un, undefeated. But he wants to soften the blow just in case they lose. So he says, you know, you guys are great. You're winners and that stuff that you say to, you know, just kind of let them down easy and uh, to sort of lower the expectations. But I love what one of the linebackers said. One of the, <laughs> He goes, Coach, we're a perfect team. Not that I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. But together we've been perfect. And we've won every game. And if it's just the same with you, I'd rather not leave this locker room going out there thinking that I'm going to lose. What did that young man remind the coach? He said, Coach, don't look at the scoreboard. Let's look at the memory. Now, don't miss that. Don't look at your scoreboard. Look at the memory. The scoreboard says you're losing. But God's track record in your life says you're more than a conqueror. Don't, don't look at the scoreboard. Look at the memory. Now, the, the, the question comes to mind then, okay, uh, uh, what do we need to remember? What do we need to remember? Rather than chasing down, you know, the truckload of scriptures and putting them all on the, uh, the screen here, uh, I, I found a text of scripture in the Old Testament, interestingly enough, in one place, in one passage that summarizes, I really believe, everything the Bible teaches about what we need to remember and why we need to remember it. It is the fifth book of the Bible in the Old Testament it is the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is an amazing passage of scripture. 
what has taken place here is the children of Israel, the Israelites have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, okay? Finally, they're on the brink of going into the promised land. God tells Moses to get them together, and he, he, he warns them. He warns them. And he, he wants to get into their heads, and he wants to talk about memory right now. He wants to talk about what's important, or what, what they need to be thinking about, what, what their mental orientation needs to be before they step into the challenges of this land. And in this text, he tells us <laughs> the four things that every follower of Jesus must remember. These four things represent the fuel to our confidence. They're not profound. They're just very obvious and clear. And I'm just going to walk you through them. The first thing God says to them, and by way of implication, he says to us, he says, number one, you need to remember how God led you. How he led you. Moses stands before them here in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now, here you have it, verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord, your God, has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Stop, 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 stop. Go back. Yeah, we're going to get to the land. That's important. But what you need to do is go back and look at the wonderful hand of God and how he has led your life. And I'm talking to some folks here today. What you need to do in the midst of your crisis and your circumstances, and you have lost all your confidence, it is, it is shaky, you're about ready to throw it in a black plastic bag, throw it in a dumpster, you are scared to death, you don't know what to do, you're doubtful, you're nervous, the very first thing you need to do is sit yourself down someplace and go all the way back in your mind to see how God wonderfully led you? Where did he take you from? What did he do in your life? The people that he sent in your life, the opportunities that he gave you, the folks that love you. Each step in your life has been a supernatural step. How he has protected you all these years and you're still breathing. You're still alive. You may not have what you want, but you have what you need. He led you. He led you. So he says, wait, 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 wait. Before you go into this land, come back here for a second. Let's have a little talk around the campfire. Write down how I led you. Cloud. By day, and he's saying, you know, you're not going to need this cloud anymore because you're at the place where I promised you. But I need, you need to remember that cloud by day. And that pillow of fire by night, remember? Remember that? When the pillow of fire showed up and it started moving, you broke camp because I was leading you. And what makes you think that I'm not leading you today? 
Huh? What makes you think that? What, what makes you think that God's not leading you today? Secondly, this sounds a little strange, but he says it in number two, you need to remember not only how God led you, that's the stuff of confidence. Number two, you need to remember how God tested you. That also is the stuff of confidence. Now, this is what he says here. Uh, uh, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Uh, it's translated a little, little weird here. You, you could have said, because he tested you, he humbled you. It's not that God didn't know what was in their hearts. The old Tencent theological word, anthropomorphism, is what that's called. It's a figure of speech. It, it wasn't that God tested them so God could find out. Let's see, how much do they really know? I really don't know. That's, no, that, that's not the point. The test was not for God. The test was for their humility. The test was for their humility. The second part of this, I'm going to come back to this, but let me give you a little hint right now what I'm talking about here. Listen to me, listen to me. You've got to be counterintuitive here. Confidence is not just based upon consistent success. This is the reason why biblical confidence, as you study confidence in the Bible, is not like the same as the self-esteem talk out in the marketplace. Now, I do believe in self-esteem, but the Bible says failure is important to your confidence because it's a reliance issue. You, you have to be tested so that you have healthy self-perception. You know who you are and you know who you're not. And so I, I tested you in the wilderness. So as a matter of record, you know you ain't all of that in a bag of chips. You do understand that, don't you? You, you do understand left to yourself, you're going to screw up. You do get that, don't you? You do understand you might be good in this area, but man, you better stay away from this over here because you didn't pass this test. And I'm appealing to you right now. Listen, listen, listen to the negative stuff in your life. It shows you what to stay away from. You didn't pass it back then. Maybe God wants you to stay away from that. Kind of like reviews and evaluations. You know what you're strong at. You know what you're weak at. I tested you so you might always know that you forever need me. That's the point here. So how did God test you? Some of you have weaknesses in your thought life. You have weaknesses morally. Some of you have weaknesses, the little character issue, you lie sometimes. You need to know that. You need to know that. I tested you. What do we need to remember? Well, how God led us, how God tested us, but thirdly, how God provided for us. You know, don't throw that away. Don't throw that away. Remember how he provided me. Look at verse 5. And he humbled you and led you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Sounds familiar? That's what Jesus said to Satan when he tried to tempt him. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. It's as if God says, wait, wait, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Okay, you're getting ready to go into this land right now. 
And there's going to be a lot of temptation. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of problems, a lot of hassles. There's going to be prosperity that you did not know existed. And you're going to be crazy to go nuts. I mean, it's going to be like an alcoholic with the keys to the liquor store. That's what's going to happen to you. Okay, oh, all this stuff. But he said, I want you to understand something, that that too is my provision for you, but you need to understand all these years I have provided for you. Now, you may not have liked uh, what I provided in terms of food. You may have complained about it, but did you have something to eat every day? Every day you woke up, you had something to eat. Did I feed you? Did I take care of you? Did I meet your needs? I am, that's why I tell people all the time, don't ever let a paycheck determine your integrity. Don't you ever do that. Did you ever let salary determine your character? For the same one that took care of you before you got that job is the one that takes care of you on the job and will take care of you when you leave the job. And that's the point that he's saying, I took care of you. I fed you. I gave you what you... Look at your clothes. I, God kept the clothes and shoes in great condition. Can you imagine wearing the same outfits for 40 years? I'm glad my wife ain't in this service. Can you imagine that? I mean, there weren't no malls or, or, or you know, uh, shopping centers or boutiques. I mean, can you imagine these other nomadic people passing them by, 2.5 million Israelites going through the wilderness, and they're saying, want to barter with them, say, you want some clothes? They go, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> 40 years. 40 years. He said, not only that, you, you had the strength to finish. That's what the last line uh, of verse 5 is all about. I'm sorry, verse 4. He says, and your foot did not swell these 40 years? Meaning that I, I gave you the strength to keep moving. I did it. I did it. Do you hear the implication here? Do you hear it clearly? What, what, what makes you think that I can't do that now? What makes you think that way? What makes you think that I can't provide for you now? Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Don't panic, the title of today's message. Well, that might be something you'd like to take on. Begin writing down the ways God has sustained you in the past, how He's provided for you, how payments were made despite a shortage of resources. Well, Crawford will have a bit more to say about remembering in next week's broadcast. If you joined us partway in today's message, you can hear all of it on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Click on the link, Past Programs. You can also listen on your favorite podcast site. Thanks for your emails. Lynn says, I'm taking the time to finally write. I listen faithfully to Crawford's messages. Not only have they helped me to grow in my walk with the Lord, they've given me many topics to share with my friends who don't listen. I continue to encourage them to listen. Thank you so much, Lynn. And Tom from Canada writes, I just wanted to thank you for your fantastic content and the messages by Pastor Crawford Loretz. I look forward to getting a boost by him every Sunday. The messages are always informative, powerful, and awesome. Keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you for that encouragement, Tom. Now it's your turn. Write to us at legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, 
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.